God be the glory. And thank you for that awesome gift. We will enjoy that so much. Jerry Ann and I, we bought a little, I call it a shack, but it's been restored so it's no longer a shack. It's a yellow house in Galveston. And uh, here of late, my son has added a, a room to the back of it for our office. And uh, that will be very unique on our desk. Oh, I, I, I don't know where to begin. I have enjoyed this weekend so, so much. You folks will preach a man to death. My brakes went out this morning. And Jerry and I have talked about it today. I don't mean to preach long. I don't want to be a long-winded preacher. But to get my point across sometime, it takes me a while. I'm a little pokey. But I have learned to love your pastor and respect him, respect him so much this week. And I'm so anxious for our friendship to grow. And uh, I'm going to enjoy. If y'all don't see him very much around here, you'll know that his bird dog has been uh, working because he is such a blessed preacher, blessed spirit, and his precious wife. Now, we know the pastor is a great man, right? Great man. But when he married, he married up. He and I both, he and I both hit the jackpot. I mean, we got a landslide when we got our girl. Right? Her personality is so effervescent, so beautiful, so pleasant. And we have a lot of friends we want to introduce y'all to, so... Hang with us at General Conference a little bit, in the hospitality room especially, as I try to drag all the general board in there to fellowship a while before uh, conference services. Brother Bernard loves for us all to fellowship. But let me thank you for the privilege of being here and the, the banquet for what you did for your pastor and his wife last night. What you did for your church last night was, uh, was mammoth. Because there is revival in honoring the man of God. No church that we visit, that we go to, is having revival that does not highly respect the man of God that is their leader. And you have no reason not to respect Brother Neal. You have no reason. I don't care who says what. There's, everybody says there's no reason. 
his hunger for God, his hunger for God's word, his legacy, momentum is just, it's marvelous. So God bless all of you. And it is now almost 8 o'clock. Time is ticking. We'll be home Tuesday. But we'll be missing you. We'll be thinking about you. We'll be praying for you. We hope that you bind together. Every day, the devils of McMurray deserve to wake up and face a united church. The devil needs to know, I can't divide that church. I can't wreck it. I can't make them mad at one another. I can't make them have bad feelings toward each other. There's nothing I can do to that church to stop it from being the, the church that's taking the city. Can you say amen? Everybody say, we're going to take the city for Jesus Christ. And there's a, a lady, a friend of ours, a UPC lady that's in jail right now in Kentucky, right? There's also a Muslim lady that refused to, to serve alcohol on the airplane. And they're trying to jeopardize her job, and she won't let them jeopardize her job. She's going to jeopardize the airlines before she's going to jeopardize. Folks, if people will stand up for Muhammad, why can't we stand up for Jesus? Live your conviction. It pays off. I tell him, Pastor, today in the ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, I went to four different schools, and I refused to wear gym shorts in the gymnasium in front of girls. It was a co-ed gym, and I, I just would not. And I told the coaches, it's not my church, it's not my pastor, it's not my daddy, it's Ronnie. Just my conviction. And they made me count dirty towels and clean up the dressing room from the last period, the dirty, nasty dressing room. And... and uh, I uh, many, many days I was broken hearted when I hear those boys swimming in the swimming pool, playing ball. I never, in, in all of my high school years, in junior high, I could not play ball. And I loved football, baseball, I loved all those sports. And they were enjoying them while I was counting dirty towels. And one time an angel of the Lord visited me in, a, in the gymnasium clean, uh, cleaning up the towels. I felt the presence of an, of an angel. But in my 12th grade, my high school principal came down to the gym and asked, is there anybody in the gym that uh, doesn't have a class, uh, a, an obligation for this certain period? And, uh, and the, the coach referred me. And so I, I worked for my high school principal that year. He, every day he and I would eat lunch at a restaurant. I, drove, I rode with him to the bank and we made the, the school deposit. And when I graduated, I prayed the prayer at the graduation, and my, my principal came to my wedding. My principal came to hear me preach time and time again. We became friends, and after 50 years, 50 years of friendship, my, my, my principal died. We were best of friends. I took him to Israel, tried my best to get him for the Holy Ghost, but he was a, a very staunch denominational man and uh, took him to Israel, prayed all night, 
and I pray the garden of, uh, the, you know, where they, where you take communion right there at the tomb, and uh, I prayed, and I, I dropped cold sweat, uh, cold tears on his bald head, and spoke in tongues, and he told us that night, he said, of all the days of my life, today was the most important day of my life. He said, you Pentecostals, y'all were praying and speaking in tongues, and he said, I I went to the Wayland Wall, and I put a prayer request in the Wayland Wall that I brought from America. And, and he said, my life was changed today because I gave my nasty divorce to God. And he put it in the Wayland Wall on paper. And I, I got baptized in the Jordan River trying to beg him to get out of the bus and be baptized. But my point is, when you live right and you do right, nobody else in school Nobody else in my class got phone calls from the principal for 50 years. Nobody. Nobody had the principal at his house eating with his family. And my children knew him like a grandpa. Because when you live right, it pays off. Can you say amen? All the glory goes to God. Are you proud of Jesus Christ? Don't be ashamed of the, Jesus, of, of the gospel of Christ. Young men, don't be ashamed. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Two weeks ago, I, we were flying back from New York City. Jerry Ann was on one plane. I was on another. And a lady sat next to me, and we talked a moment. And then she went to sleep, and I went to sleep. And then a little bit, we woke up, and she started talking to me. And I told her I was a preacher. And she said, I'm a Catholic. And she said, but I'm very disillusioned, very hungry. And we made contact with Monica. She worked for Donald Trump. She does all of his interior decorating for his jets, his yachts, and all of his gymnasium clubs that he has all around the country, golf courses. And she wants a Bible study. She lives in Lafayette, Louisiana. And we, we, live, we go through Lafayette frequently on our travels. I believe Monica's going to be saved. Live right. Come on. Everybody say live right. It pays off. Just, just live right. It pays off. Let the sun reflect on you. Amen. Be a star that shines for Jesus Christ. I, I can't thank you all enough for treating us like you have. And your pastor, I will harass him the rest of my ministry to come back. And if, he, if I bother you, you just got to forgive me because I'm going to want to come back and be with you because it has been a refreshing to me and my wife. You say amen. Now it's 8 o'clock and I know y'all are tired. Y'all are worn out. Y'all have heard enough preaching? <laughs> Tomorrow's a holiday. So I got all night. Amen. I, I do feel like rolling up my sleeves and going to work. Amen. Amen. Thank God. I'll just take off my necktie. Amen. If somebody brought me some uh, bibbed overalls, I'd probably put them on. Because it's time to go to work. Everybody say it's time to go to work. Amen. This is our day. This is our hour. This is the hour of power and darkness. 
Are you thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen, 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 amen. Come on, amen, 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 amen. When you know what your prayers are going to accomplish, it'll make you pray more. Don't forget your prayers are going to join with the prayers of the ages and literally bring down the Antichrist. Come on, folks. How important is my prayer life? The Antichrist is going to crumble under your prayers. Because from Revelation 8 through 22, you see the rise of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and the demise of Antichrist bound in a lake of fire. And there are scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture proving the demise, everybody say, the demise of the Antichrist. This stone is going to come out of the mountain and touch the toenails of this beast. And it just has to touch the toenails and the whole head of gold and, the, and silver and iron and clay, all of it and brass is going to crumble. Our Jesus is going to be the mountain. Everybody say the mountain. The mountain, the stone will become a mountain that covers the earth. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ will rule. He will reign forever and forever. Are you grateful for Jesus today? Amen, amen, amen. So I'm going to have to have a little bit of help here tonight, and I've got to have a, a valet. Caleb, you're going to be my valet tonight. Okay. Bring those two tables over here, if you will, both of you guys. Help him. Help him, guys, if you will. And put them right up here in the front. Yes, great, 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 great. Okay. All right, and I need my uh, tablecloth next. And if you will, pass out the uh, brochure. These are the sermon notes tonight, but please do like Pastor said and don't, don't read before I get into it, okay? Amen. Everybody say amen. Everybody say you sure are grappy, old man. Say hallelujah. In your, in your notes tonight, let's turn to the page four. 
page four. And I've got just a few verses of scripture pertaining to the subject your pastor has taught over and over. And some of this has come from my research of his work. Dr. Neal, we thank you for all of your writings. Thank you for all of your books, all of your input. What a wise man to leave such a legacy to the world and to the precious church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And I hope he goes to General Conference and sells $10 million worth of books. Amen, amen, amen. Would that be okay with y'all? Hallelujah. If he had $100 million, he'd be putting it in the work of the Lord. He's a giver. He's not a taker. Amen. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. Y'all look so happy. Y'all make a preacher so, enjoy preaching so much. Amen. Fall off the step and hurry up. My wife is such a charm. I am so privileged to have a wonderful wife. God knew whenever I was a boy that I was a traveler. And uh, my dad commanded me when I was about 18 years old. When I was engaged with Jerry Ann, he said, Don't go any, anywhere without Jerry Ann. And when you see me, you're going to see Jerry Ann. We're buddies, we're best friends, we're in love. Y'all can fuss and fight if you want to, we're going to love. Amen. We're going to kiss, hug, and make up, forgive. We're going to forgive. Forgive. If I say amen, that means not keep score. Don't keep a tablet. Sister Francis, I enjoy, I'm enjoying your books already. Oh, I'm so thankful that you get gifted us with that. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got a little girl at home. She's four years old. And uh, she, uh, when she sleeps with her mother, she takes her mother's hair and twists it until she goes to sleep. So the other night she crawled in bed with Nana and Papa, and she said, she said, now, Nana, you got to take your hair down. So she went to sleep. Instead of twisting blonde hair, she was twisting gray hair. Amen. The scriptures in reference to firstling, first fruits, and firstborn. This is just the beginning. Pastor probably has, I know he has Bible studies on that, that you can reference and know that everything that is first is designated by God as his possession. Now, I don't believe you can defy that with, with any kind of attitude. The first of everything created 
that comes from creation, whether it's an animal, a bird, or fruit, it belongs to the Lord. And he said in Exodus 22, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of the ripe fruits, for they and thy liquors, that's the, the grapes, and the firstborn of thy sons, if I say sons, shalt thou give unto me. Then in Numbers, because all the firstborn are mine. If I say all the firstborn are mine, the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I smote, but I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They're mine, I am the Lord. Now in the Old Testament, it is established that the first of everything belongs to God. Colossians 1 says that he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, our president, our past president, Clinton, had such a mentality and the ability to memorize. He literally memorized 250,000 people's names, and if he hadn't seen them in six months, he could still say, hello, Jodo. But our God has the ability to know everybody's name, in fact, our God crawled in your mother's womb and formed you and knew your name before you were ever born, knew your fingerprint, your handprint. He knew all the follicles of hair in your head. Our God knows us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is very aware of our thoughts. Come on. Don't, don't think that God doesn't know your thoughts, your intents, your actions, words, and deeds are all recorded on a second-by-second basis. When you go to judgment, he is not ignorant of your history. He knows your life. Boy, that's profound. Everybody say, that's profound. Look at Revelation 14. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They, these are they which follow the Lamb with himself. He goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. He even knows the the resurrection order of man he knows the resurrection order now let's go to the first page and quickly I'm going to go through this I'm going to scan through it you'll have the notes that you can go back over the Bible is an ABC primer in lordship if you were to re reduce the Bible into one word, it would be submission. To where God submitted himself to being birthed by a virgin in poverty, taken to a cross, stripped naked, hung before his mother and aunts and uncles and friends and the whole world, bathed in spittle and blood. 
die to save your soul. But he sits on the throne. It was worth it. Can you say amen? The mentality of Jesus Christ, it was worth it. If he had to do it a thousand times, it was still worth it. Because look what he has saved. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. For the first 4,000 years, God allowed man to put himself first for the first six days and give God the last day, the Sabbath. It did not work. It was a bad idea. It produced nothing but idolatry. When you read the story of Israel, except for the 70 years of exile, there was idolatry. Idolatry. Every nation they got near, they fell in love with their God. Dagon, Baal, golden calf, golden calves of Jeroboam, Ashtaroth, Moloch, fell in love with those gods. And so it did not work. 4,000 commandments that God gave Israel. Every time they did something he didn't like, he gave them a commandment. But they could not live the life he was commanding because they didn't have the power of the Holy Ghost to live it. He made us in extreme weakness. We're made out of slime, not ground diamond dust. We're not even tar sand. There's no value in us. You sold our body, chemically wise, it's worth about 98 cents. Devalued currency, 72. We ain't much. Y'all okay? All God could do was look at Israel and say, I gave you commandments to live that you could not live. Because I didn't give you the power of the Holy Ghost to live it. I'm going to forgive you of all of your sins. Thank you. I'm going to forgive you of all your sins. I'm going to send you to Pentecost. And I'm going to give you power to live the crucified life. The life I've been commanding. You're going to have power. You shall receive power. Are you thankful that God changed putting God last to putting God first. And through the sacrifice of the atonement, 50, 40, you know, seven Sabbaths plus one day, 50th, first day of the week, for those 2,000 years, it was a seed process of prophecy that God's going to change the system. And it wouldn't be the seventh day. It would be the first day. And Jesus rose from the dead on the. Holy Ghost was poured out on the. The New Testament church went to church. And offered on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. He changed the system. From putting. Himself last. To putting himself first. 
Y'all excited? Don't let any man judge you in meat, drinks, and holy days. But the first day of the week is the day of lordship. He is first. My text tonight is found in Matthew 6, 33. Look on the first page. Seek ye first. I forgot what boy. I was going to ask what the boy's name that said that verse this morning. Which one was it? Can you stand up and quote again, son? You hear? Okay. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So God changed the system. In Deuteronomy 8, he said, Israel, I know where you are. You're sleeping on rocks and tents. I've taken everything from you but my presence. You're eating bread from the dirty ground and water from a rock. I know why I brought you here. I brought you out here to humble you and to see what's in your heart and to prove to you that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Second Chronicles, Solomon, you didn't ask me for long life. You asked me for wisdom. Third John, verse 2, if I could brainwash you, I'd brainwash you with this thought. Above all things, everybody say above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health. Now, this being busted, disgusted, can't be trusted is not God's program. Being broke as a spoke is not God's program. God's not trying to keep you starving. He doesn't get glory out of you driving around in a rust bucket of an automobile wearing old ragtag shoes. Amen. I want you to give me your shoe size because I'm going to send you a pair of shoes. God wants to bless you. Everybody say, God wants to bless you. I have tried my best to brainwash my grandchildren. That God does not want them to be poor, ignorant, uneducated, stupid. He wants them to be blessed. God's always financed his church. God financed Israel's journey. Shifted the wealth of Egypt to Israel in one night. Can you imagine? 430 years. No deodorant. No clean underwear. No hot bath. No cold milk with Cheerios. No bologna sandwiches. No refrigerators. No change of clothes. No fresh shave. Filthy, dirty, slime pits. My wife and I have been to the slums of Nairobi. That's ground zero of the human race. A 10 by 10 hut. Average age of death is 37. So much disease, incest, filth, malaria, disease. Beside that little hut, sleeping in mud, there's a urine ditch beside the hut. The stench is deplorable. You're blessed. He woke you up this morning. You're right mine in a clean bed. I've never slept in a dirty bed. I've never slept in a dirty house. My mother's a good housekeeper. My wife's a good housekeeper. 
My, my daughters are such good housekeepers, you can eat off the floor. We have been blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Israel. Everybody say, Israel. 430 years. Stripes on their back. Beat down, depressed. You think they're, they're migrating today up into Israel from Iran and Syria by the millions. Israel was just in that deplorable condition. And God said, go next door. Smelling like you smell. Their breath smelled like butane. Supposed to laugh. Their bodies with no odor. Have you ever flown on a plane in the Middle East where nobody had deodorant? Ridden on a bus for hours where nobody had deodorant? They raise their arm to scratch their head and four people fall out with underarm annihilation. those poor people whose legs look like leather-covered broomsticks hobbled to the doors of the rich wealthy of Egypt. Look, look, look. Can we help you? Because you mind giving us all your gold and silver and your jewels and pearls and your Why, sure. No problem. And they emptied the wealth of Egypt in one night to the pockets of the slime pit people. Don't tell me God doesn't do financial miracles. Don't tell me he can't tell you to go fishing and you'll catch a fish that's got gold in its mouth. Don't tell me God cannot do a financial miracle in your life. And Moses says, go that way. And point a stick toward the sea. And they hobble to the sea. And he stretched the stick over the sea. And the sea opened. And the wind blew the sand dry. And he said, march with chariots and stallions and soldiers, and sabers, and shields. They were racing behind these poor people hobbling. They could hardly walk. Hardly crawl, much less walk, and God gave them strength to go into the riverbed 900 feet deep, 18 miles across. And these walls of water with no plexiglass, no saran wrap, there was no glass. It was just the biggest aquarium man has ever witnessed with whales swimming over here and sharks over here, fish, turtles, sea turtles, sea animals everywhere. What a, an aquarium. Walking through supernatural sand with supernatural sea walls. And one preacher said that he found where there were 12 different trails one for each of the tribes. And they could look through an aquarium wall and see, hello, Gadites, praise the Lord, Manassites. And all the way across, walking through, miracle skies, 900 feet tall, little waves up there just waving at them. Supposed to laugh. 
Everybody say supernatural. Everywhere they look, supernatural walls, supernatural sand, supernatural skies, supernatural journey, supernatural protection, supernatural direction. No matter, imagine all of the money, the billions of dollars, and no place to spend it. Not even a Walmart, not even a family dollar. Walking through and built Solomon's temple debt free. Are we serving a good God? Has God always financed his journey? Can you imagine God initiating, creating, prophesying, fulfilling the prophecies, and bringing Israel through the river and not giving them a financial basis to survive can you imagine God not financing the New Testament church he financed the Old Testament church and then the New Testament church Jesus Christ was the poorest man that ever lived he didn't even have his own hammock cot couldn't even sleep in a motel six foxes had holes birds ear had nests son of man has no place to lay his head owned no property, had no bank account. Here he was, the Lord of glory, with nothing. When he ascended to heaven, there was a power that came upon the people, a spirit of giving got a hold of them, and they started selling houses, lands, properties, possessions, shotguns, diamond rings, motorhomes, Vacuum cleaners, binoculars, watches, whatever they had. And they dumped millions of dollars at the feet of the apostle. Enough money to missionary the then known world. Folks, it takes a lot of money to missionary the world. It's the first year the United Pentecostal Church has ever topped $50 million in our national budget. And all of that is going to missions. Everybody would say reaching souls. Getting to the field. God's always taking care of his church. There are prophecies like Joel said in the last days, the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Everybody say the latter rain is going to be greater. Everybody say greater. And then the glory of the latter house is going to be greater. Everybody say the glory of the latter house. If you think Solomon's temple was great, the New Testament church is going to be greater. Right? Habakkuk said God's going to do a work in our day. If he told us, we wouldn't believe it. That's pretty profound. Imagine the, the apostles had power when they walked through the streets. Their shadow healed sick. Everybody say, that's pretty great. Jesus did three million miracles, but he said, my New Testament church is going to be greater, do greater works than I've done. Everybody say, greater. The church has every right to believe that the last day church in McMurray, Alberta, Canada, is going to be greater than any revival the world has ever known. 
God is not decreasing his kingdom. He is increasing his kingdom. He says the kingdoms of this world must become the kingdoms of our Lord of his Christ. Pastor was talking about great is Allah. Years ago we went to Hawaii. My wife and I went on the tour down to Philippines, the celebration of Pentecost in Philippines for 25 years with Pastor Kilgore and <clears throat> stopped in Hawaii. And on the streets of Hawaii, there were some, uh, <clears throat> there were some uh, uh, Harry Christians and had a little wagon there and little babies in the wagon. And, and they had little trinkets and whatnot. And there was a woman, she's going, Harry, Harry, Harry Christian, Harry, Harry, Harry Christian, right on the streets of Honolulu. I got down in front of her, and I said, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. He's great. Come on, he's great. Somebody's going to stand up for Muhammad. Why can't we stand up for Jesus? Imagine pastor being called to go to the hospital to pray with somebody. And, and he, he walks in the hospital. He starts looking up the room number. He's walking down the hall. All of a sudden, people start screaming, Doctor! Doctor! I need a doctor! I'm feeling good! Get me out of here! Get me out of here! Come get these IVs out of me! Nurse! Nurse! What's wrong? What happened? Oh, pastor just walked by my room. <laughs> Holy Ghost went in the room. Healed him. Healed him. He said, greater works than I've done, you're going to do. Expect miracles. Come up here, little buddy. Come up here, good looking boy. Yeah. Isn't this boy precious? By the power, by the power of Almighty God, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, You have all power in heaven and earth. You heal the lame legs. You heal the cripples. You heal the lepers. You heal the blinds. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The lame, the deaf. By the glory of Almighty God, you're Lord of all. You're Lord of all. You're Lord of all. You're Lord of all. 
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And it's time, it's time for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Ghost. There are 200 prophecies that Jesus would come, be born in Bethlehem, go to the cross, and ascend into heaven. But there are 600, and Jesus checked in, in, in Luke, Matthew 24, 44, he said, I've, I've checked the record of Moses, David, and the prophets. I have fulfilled every prophecy they made of me. Everyone. But there's 600 that he's coming back. If he fulfilled 200, don't you know for sure he's going to fulfill 600? Now let's talk about the first things of God. As I said, 20 minutes to 9, you got to hurry. At the throne in heaven, just imagine this is God's throne. Tell the angels. And God was all by himself in heaven, walking through heaven saying, I'm God, I'm God. There was not another creature in the, earth, in, the, in the universe that could say, you're God. So God created an angel. God chose at that point in eternity to exist as love and to reveal himself as love. Created the angel. Gave the angel an intellect. And he knew when he gave the angel an intellect, he would argue with him, debate with him, contend with him, and try to rise above him. Did not Lucifer say, my throne should be above the most high God? Lucifer, don't you touch that throne, because I'm going to be Lord of all, not Lord at all. There's going to be order in heaven. With all these myriads of angels and seraphims and cherubims, there's going to be order. And you touch that throne, you're out of here. Because I'm going to be Lord. There's no God beside me. You can't vote me out. You can't push me out. I'm, I'm almighty God. And so, God declared order in heaven. And then, he came down to earth and made man. When he made man, he gave him an intellect. He knew when he gave man an intellect, he would argue with him, debate with him, contend with him. And try to eventually rise above him. But God reached deep within his own innermost being. Pulled out a part of his very soul. Put in Adam. And said Adam breathed into the nostril the breath of life. Adam became a living soul. Your soul is the seat of your emotions. When you cry, it comes from your soul. When you laugh, it comes from your soul. So God gave Adam a soul. God wanted a creature that could respond to his love. God could tell the angels, I love you. The angels could only say, holy, holy, worthy, worthy. They could not love God. They did not have an emotional system. To respond to God's love. So God made man. Gave him a soul. When God said to Adam. I love you Adam. And Adam said to God. I love you too. Probably the first day God ever danced in heaven. To think I've got a creature. That can respond to my love. Israel never did love God. 
from Genesis through Malachi, there's not one verse where God said to Israel, I love you, baby. And she said, and I love you too, sweetheart. She never loved God. Wrote songs to him, sacrifices to him, and built temples, but did not love him. So God wanted a bride that would respond to his love. He came down to earth when he created man. He said, now, Adam, you see all these trees, Adam? Those are your trees, Adam. You can eat of all these trees. See this tree right here, Adam? This tree right here? This is mine. Don't you eat of this tree. The day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. I'm going to have order. I'm going to be Lord of all, not Lord at all. And when Adam partook of that tree that did not belong to him, when he said, don't touch it, don't eat of it, and Adam did it, you see, don't touch, everybody say, don't touch my throne, don't, don't partake of the tree. It's going to be order. Mama, don't ever get tired of being mama. Don't ever quit. Daddy, don't get tired of being daddy. Don't. Don't politic your parenting. You say, well, I want my little girl to love me. That's not even an issue. That is not what God made you for. He gave you a mandate to teach them right from wrong. Make them behave themselves. In Houston, there's a court that all the kids in junior high and high school that get arrested because of their misbehavior they're fined $375 for fights, food fights, all kind of misconduct. I've been to that court. It's hilarious. Mommies and daddies squirming. Anyway, can they work? Can they work on, uh, you know, can they work it off? No, we tried that. We have a national cemetery, and we put a bunch of kids out there and, and the, the, the spark plug wires on the, on the tractor was missing. The air, air of the tires was missing. And, and we don't have any of that community service stuff. $375. Because it's not the principal's job to make your child behave. It's not the teacher's job to make your child behave. It's not the coach's job. It's your job, mama. You make that baby behave. That's the mandate from God. Because there's got to be order. God, not the author of confusion. Come on. And kids, you listen to me. God wants you to obey your mommy and daddy. God commands you to obey your mommy and daddy. You'll have long life if you'll behave yourself. When they say zip lip, you zip lip. Everybody say hallelujah. Everybody say zip lip. Does everybody know what zip lip means? I say, don't touch my tree. Don't touch my throne. So God created Adam and Eve, and then they had two boys. God impressed Adam and Cain and Abel to bring a sacrifice. And whenever they did, oh, Cain, 
he went down to his fields and he got a bunch of rutabagas, growing the cob, green peas, tomatoes, watermelons. He brought a great big old bushel basket to God. He said, Lord, Lord, I brought you my biggest and I brought you my best. And God said, wait a minute, Cain, I don't like what you just said. Because with every sacrifice, there is a message given to God. And the message I'm getting from you, Cain, is this. Cain, you're telling me, look what you have produced. And what I want to hear, Cain, is what you have through my help and through my blessing. Because no flesh is going to glory in my presence. Well, Lord, I brought you my biggest and best. I'm working in a field. I'm, I've got a great big farm. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm 10 miles from here working. And I, don't ha- I gave you my biggest and best. And God said, all right. And you know the end of Cain. Abel, I want you personally. Well, Lord, would you mind if I... It may take a few days to find him because I've got thousands and thousands of sheep now. Okay. Shepherd, shepherd, calling all the shepherds. Bring all the sheep. Bring all the sheep. I was like, bah. Bring all the sheep, shepherds of the big house. Bring all the sheep. And old shepherd, oh, oh, Abel's got his binoculars out trying to find that little old. He's trying to find that first little sheepy that came from his first little mommy and daddy sheepy when God started out his enterprise years ago. Shepherd, everybody say shepherds. Oh, there he is. There he is. Bring him. And they brought him his first little sheepy that came from his first little mommy and daddy sheepy whenever he started his enterprise. I can just see Abel. Lord! And all of a sudden, there's the Lord. Did you know that every time you call in the name of the Lord, he's going to come? And the Lord said, hello, Abel. Abel said, Lord, I've got him. This is my little sheepy. Now, Lord, it's not my biggest and it's not my best. It's not the one I'm going to raise up for the FFA program and pay for my education when they sell it at the rodeo. You're supposed to laugh. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Down in Houston, we've got a big rodeo, and they sell. The children raise up sheep and cattle, and they bring it, and they sell it, and they pay for their education. Anyway, Lord, it's not my biggest and best. But I brought you my first little sheepy from my first little mommy and daddy sheepy when I started my enterprise with you. Now, Lord, with my sacrifice, I've got a message to give you. And this is the message. This is my number one little sheepy. And I'm giving them to you to remind you that you're number one in my life. And the second message is, Abel is not number one. And God said, I like it. And from that moment until this, God has claimed every first portion as his. Everybody say amen. Because there's going to be order. We've got to constantly be reminded 
of his lordship, his position in our life. We seek first the kingdom of God. We come to church on the first day of the week. Sunday is lordship day. It's not just a day to attend church. It's a day to remind ourselves that we're not number one. And to remind him he is number one. And we bring him number one. We bring him the first of everything on the first day of the week. And so time marched on. And, that, and in Genesis 14, Abraham was blessed with five cities that God conquered the kings. Whenever Abraham sent out the appraisers to figure out how much Abraham was worth came to probably $10 billion. Five cities. When Abraham realized his wealth and his blessings, he said, it's time for the blessed to bless the blesser. Where's my checkbook? Got a checkbook? Okay. If I'm worth $10 billion, uh, the first tenth, it means I owe God, a, uh, I'm going to give God a billion. So he wrote out the first tithing check. One, everybody say one billion bucks. He wrote it to God. Everybody say G-O-D. And he put tithe, T-I-T-H-E, tithe. And he signed it, he signed it Abe, A-B-E. And he found the oldest man in the church. And uh, where's the oldest old man in this church? Rickety bones. Bones make funny tones. Found the <laughs> oldest man in the church. Hello, Melchizedek. I got a note. I need you to bring that to the Lord if you don't mind. And let's give old Melchizedek a round of applause. Amen. He's copying my hairdo, folks. I'm going to sue him because I got a copyright on that deal. <laughs> Just bring it right up to the throne up there if you don't mind. Everybody say, God bless Melchizedek. He was a high priest unto God. And Abraham said, okay, now you're an old man. You got your walking cane. Hobble back to your pew. Let's give a, oh, uh, Melchizedek a round of applause. And God gets up the next morning and he goes into his desk to see what kind of carrying on has happened. And he finds this note up on the desk and says, wow, a note from Abraham. Hmm. Tithe, tithe. One billion bucks to God. Wow. Well, you know, uh, Jimmy Swaggart didn't teach him this. Benny Hinn, uh, Kenneth Copeland, Joel Osteen. Uh, even even uh, Oral Roberts didn't teach Abraham. This, wasn't, this didn't come from his Sunday school teacher or his pastor. This came from his heart, right down in, in his heart. I've got to, I'm blessed, and I've got to bless my blesser. And, and, and so God says, I've got to go see Abraham. Abraham, come here, Abraham. Get out of that field, you old shepherd. Come over here and stand right by. And, and God said, Abraham, I, I got your note. <laughs> I, got you, I got you one billion bucks here. Now, Abraham, I want you to know I don't need your money. I run the whole universe. I own sun, moon, and stars. And I'm not a consumer. I am a creator. And I don't need your money. And uh, Abraham, I want you to know 
that, uh, well, pick up a handful of sand, please. And Abraham reached down, got a handful of old desert sand. And, and God said, Abraham, I want you to count the grains of sand in your hand. And, and, and Abraham said, whoa, Lord. <laughs> mm, how long do you expect me to live? God, I'm going to need about 300 secretaries, about uh, 400, uh, you know, magnifying glasses and calculators, Lord. <laughs> and, and uh, oh, God said, Abraham, you don't have to count the sand. It's just an idea of how I'm going to bless you as, like the sands of the sea. Because, Abraham, I'm going to take what you've given me here. I'm not going to keep it, Abraham. I'm not going to put it on, on in the bank and draw interest to... Uh, uh, going on a vacation to Hawaii someday. Uh, I, I own Hawaii. What I'm going to do with this, Abraham, is I'm going to use this as creative matter, and, and I'm going to multiply it, and I'm going to give it back to you. I'm not going to keep it because I'm not a consumer. I'm a creator. And I'm going to give it back to you like the sand. Now, Abraham... Go back to work. Come in early. You and Sarah get a little soup and, and go to bed because about midnight, I'm going to come back and see you and God zips up to heaven. And about midnight, God zips back down to earth. Abraham, get out of bed, you old lazy bone. Get out of here. Come over here, Abraham. And, and on a beautiful starry night, God said, Abraham, I'd like you to count the stars tonight. He looks up and says, whoa, Lord, count the stars. Now, it is said from any point on planet Earth on a starry night that you can count with a naked eye 1,900 stars. With a 19-inch telescope, you can count 2 million stars. And with the Hubble telescope, 400 million light years away, there are galaxies. Abraham said, count the stars. Whoa. Okay. There's the big dipper right there. Dot, 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 dot. There's a little different dot 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 dot. There's a north star. Da 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 da. Come on, everybody, come on. Da 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 da. And all night long, he was putting dots. Got home and started counting. Came back the next night. Where is it? Oh, the big dipper's over here. Okay, and he put this big old sheet of paper out here. Beside the big dipper. Come on, help me. Count the stars. How how many decades, centuries am I going to live? Oh, you don't have to, Abraham. It's just an idea, Abraham. I'm going to bless you like the stars of the planet. Because I'm not a consumer. I'm a creator. And I'm going to take what you give me and I'm going to multiply it. Somebody better listen to me. Because at the end of your last tithing check is the total deed of property called a golden mansion on streets of gold. When your creator gets through with you, you ain't never dreamed of splendor. And glory and honor. That may not tickle your innards, but that thrills my very soul to think I'll walk on streets of gold someday. Because our God said, I'm going to prepare a place for you where I am.
See, tithing is not about money. Everybody say, tithing is not about money. Tithing is about lordship. Who's the boss in your life? Who is number one in your life? Keeping him established on a weekly basis because he could not trust my mood swings, my emotions, and my good intentions. I intended... He had to put it in laws and covenants and decrees and statutes. And he said in Leviticus 27, the tithing is mine. The first tenth of everything you have coming through your little hands belongs to me, holy mine. If you keep it, you steal it. If you keep it, you purchase a curse. If you return it, you purchase a blessing. Now, you can't give tithing because it's not yours to give. You can't pay tithing because it's not yours to pay. You will never own the first tenth of what God blesses you with Week by week by week. The first tenth belongs to him. And no robber is going to get to heaven. That's even tithing, not just bank robbers, but that's tithing robbers. Because he said, you have robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you? He said, in this right here. And in offering. Now, when you get your receipt from the church at the end of the year, it will have contribution. And you see that big sum of money that you gave as tithing. Boy, I really blessed the church. No, you, that's not a contribution. That is, everybody say, that is not a contribution. That is a return. Because when you get paid, you got God's part in your paycheck every week. Right? It comes with it. You get it first. Tithing is a test. To see if you have sticky fingers or not. To see if you're going to steal from God and think, well, nobody knows it because God never tattletales. Hey, you know what, brother, he doesn't pay your tithe. Oh, I'm God, and I'm telling on everybody. I'm a tattletale. No, God just sits back and lets you suffer. He just sits back and lets the caterpillar, the canker worm, the locust, and the palmer where he just lets them eat away your lettuce. So tithing, you can't pay it because it's not yours, right? can't give it because it's not yours to give. So all you can do is return it. 
And when you return it, God says, let me tell you something. You know you can trust me. But now I know I can trust you. And a friendship is not based on one-sided love. I like you. But if you don't like me, we're not going to have friendship. I trust you. If you don't trust me, you're not going to hang around me. You're not going to hang out with me. You're not going to go fishing with me. So tithing is a lordship, relationship basis. And if God counted the pennies of that little woman in the temple and said she gave more than all of you rich guys, some of you gave $100,000 tithing checks today, this woman gave more than all of you because she gave all she had. If Jesus kept up with that much of the income of that woman, you better believe God's watching every dime that goes through my checkbook. Come on, everybody. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Well, I didn't know God even cared that much. You didn't. From the dawn of creation, he said, don't touch my tree. Don't touch my throne. Don't touch my tithe. Don't touch my man of God. Don't touch my Ark of the Covenant. Don't touch my people, because what you do to the very least, you've done to me. You think you can gossip about anybody? You get good, big, fat, and ready to gossip about. No, you can't, because he won't let you get by with offending the least of his. Whoa. Everybody say, tithing is not about money. It's about lordship. I say hallelujah. New converts come in and we say they got to pay their tithe. They say, oh, I got to pay my house note. I can barely pay my grocery bill. Paying tithe is not the vernacular of God. Tithing is a test to prove on a weekly basis who's Lord. Who's boss? Who's number one? Everybody say amen. Y'all okay? Everybody say Jesus is Lord of all or not Lord at all. Come on, Jesus is Lord of all or not Lord at all. Then God said, okay, Abraham, you've proven to me that you will not, you do not love money. I read the other day that when a man falls in love with money, he gives birth to a viper in his spirit that will literally destroy because the love of money is the root of all evil. Don't love it, folks. Don't hold on to it and don't steal it. What I beg you, Whatever you do in life, do not steal from God. Because when you meet God at judgment, there is one thing he is going to make sure you, you give an account of, and that's the blessings he has flowed into your life. And every dime we get comes from Jesus Christ. I read the other day that every man ought to get out the title deed to his automobile, and mine has Ronald Leslie Gidrode. 
And it says you ought to put Ronald Leslie Gidrose Jesus. Because everything I have came from Jesus. My house came from Jesus. Come on, my car came from Jesus. My clothes came from Jesus. He's the supplier of all of our needs. And everybody say amen. I need my valet. Come up here, Caleb, will you? Just keep this old microphone right in my mouth, if you don't mind, right over here. Everybody say Caleb's a good old boy. He's a good old egg. So, God lives by his own law. Abraham gave his first son Isaac. And when he raised that knife and put Isaac on that altar and said, boy, I love you, but I love God more. And when I count to ten, this knife is coming down. And I love you, son. I have a boy. His name is Eldridge. He's such a great preacher. He preached today. He's a great boy. Great man. I can't imagine laying him on an altar and taking a knife and saying, Eldridge, Daddy's fixing to kill you because God told me to. When I count to 10,000, you're coming, you're going, you're, you're going to eternity. 10,000, 9,000, 8,000, 7,000. Oh, God, please. 6,000, 5,000. It is said that from the tip of the knife to the chest of the child was one second. 12 tribes, no 12 tribes, no Judah, no Judah, no Jesus. Because Isaac was his first. God said, Abraham, I really can't expect you to do what is my responsibility. I can't expect you to give your son to vindicate the sins of the world. Though your son is a miracle son, it's my job. 2,000 years on that same spot, 2,000 years later, on the same mountain in Jerusalem, Almighty God walked up that, that same hill. And Isaiah said, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He took the life of his only begotten son, his first, to teach all of us that if God would give his first, Don't say, don't say I don't make enough to survive. No. Don't say that. Just do what God did. Just follow God. If he gave his first, give your first. He will always provide. Ha, ha, ha. 
God, everybody say, God, God. will always provide. When I obey God, when I give God the first, when I make Him Lord of my life, He'll never fail me. Now, how do I determine firstness in my giving? I've got ten one-dollar coins here. And Caleb, help me. Are they all just alike? Huh? They've all got whose picture is that? Queen? So is this one tithe or is that one? Or this one? Which one would you say is tithe? Now, here's the way you determine firstness in your income. The way you determine firstness is what you spend the first tenth on. Right? Usually, the first tenth goes to countrywide. In America, that's your house payment. Second tenth would go to your car payment. Third tenth to uh, the Reliant uh, Light Company. Fourth, go to your gas company, natural gas, so you got whatever. Then you got Discover Card, right? You got Sears. Then you got Walmart. Everybody say Walmart. Yeah, Walmart's going to get. Mm -hmm. Whatever you spend the first tenth of your income on is the first portion. And here's the way you do it when you get your. You get your paycheck. You uh, either go to your checkbook, and uh, you need to take a, a whole stack of these home with you. They will not bite you. They will not hurt you. And, and, and sit down and put the dates of every week of every Sunday of the year that you're going to make him Lord. Every, everybody say every Sunday. And here's the way you do it. It's, it says date. So you put the date, right? And it says name. Here's the way I spell my name. Everybody say R-O-N. It's like C. Jane hit ball. C. Dick run. Some people don't know how to do this. I'm teaching some people that don't know how in the world to give God first. Have no idea. It's so complicated. It's more difficult than first grade. G, everybody say G U I D R O D. How'd they do, Caleb? And, and, and then you put you put the amount of tithe, one tenth. Everybody say one tenth belongs to him. And, and you put that one tenth at first, you put it in am I doing okay, Pastor? And, and you put it in there like this. Young people, are you watching me? For the rest of your life, every dollar you get, a dime goes in this envelope right here. You put that in your Bible. Go, go to your Bible that you bring to church every Sunday. Everybody say, praise the Lord. There it is. I'm going to make him first. Sunday is going to be my Lordship day. I'm not just going to sing in the choir. I'm not going just to see everybody. 
I'm not going to say so pastor can check me present. I'm going because he's Lord of my life and I got to seek first the kingdom of God. Am I doing all right? And when I do this, God says, oh boy, Caleb, you know what? I do windows. I don't do them free. I ain't going to open windows for you, boy. You don't do this right here. And you've got seven days. Don't keep it in those three months. Don't put it in the bank on interest. I had a friend that he got mad at me because I preached this in Dallas. He said, Ron, you made me mad. I said, why, Ken? He said, because I, I, I just sold a piece of property that I inherited for $320,000. And I put, put $32,000 in a special account. And someday, with interest, I'm going to give God tithe. I said, Ken, don't try to improve on God's program. Just, you got seven days. Get it in. Write the check. Well, he walked away mad, and, and, and a month later, I was back in my brother's church where he went, and, and he said, hey, Ron, I did what you told me to do. I obeyed. I said, well, how about the blessings? He said, I don't have time to talk to you. I got to go home. And a month later, my brother calls me, his pastor, and says, Ron, said, I came by Ken's uh, business today. It's Wednesday. And he, he said, Pastor, I went to court last Monday. And the pastor said, what's that all about? He said, well, he said, my CPA was trying to steal my warehouse business that I built. And, and, and I had to go to court, and, and he had an attorney, I had an attorney, and my attorney uh, uh, read the story to the mediator and, and, and to the, 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 everybody, and, and, and the mediator said, read it again. And he said, he read it again, and the mediator said, and the, the attorney said, listen, folks, you lying thief, you robber, you CPA, you have robbed this man, and I'm not your client anymore. I'm not your, your attorney anymore. I'm fired. Judge said, I want to tell you something. You're going to give those warehouses back to Ken on top of you add up every dime you have stolen in 10 years from that big business. And it was $750,000 plus interest. And it was no problem for Ken to write the $75,000 check. Because what happened was when he returned his tithe to the Lord, the Lord covered his warehouse business. Everybody say it works. This is God's plan. Am I okay, Pastor? Now, these oranges here represent week of your work that uh, thank you buddy it represents a week of your work and, and, and I'm going to get 10 oranges out here y'all help me count how many do I have up here count them Caleb 8 9 and there it is. This is like that floor y'all used to have at the first church. That trampoline church y'all used to have. Y 
kind of funny. Let's count. One. Okay, now which one goes, which one belongs to the Lord, Caleb? Everybody say the first one belongs to the Lord. Okay, here, Lord. It's Sunday. I come to the house of the Lord. Bring your tithing. Everybody say your tithing. I can't pay it because it's yours. I can't give it because it's yours. All I'm going to do is just return it to you, Lord. But, Lord, this is the toughest week of my life. How many of you know what is the toughest week of your year? Would you say it might be the week that the kids go back to school? When you got to buy new backpacks and tennis shoes and school supplies? Everybody say that's a tough week, right? And I, I, and I know that God told me not to do this. But, but I haven't managed well. And uh, I'm going to have to use some of God's tithing to take care of my little girl. Because I'm not going to let my little girl go back to school with that old dirty backpack from last year. And all the kids say, That's the same backpack you hired last year. Oh, no, buddy. I'm a good daddy. Everybody say, I'm a good daddy. Come on, I'm a good daddy. I'm going to take care of my kids. I know God told me not to touch it. This is holy his. But, but I, 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 I got, I, I'm a good daddy. So I had to take part of God's tithing, go down to the store, and buy some new backpacks and tennis shoes and socks. And, and tablets and, you know, pencils, rulers, all the school supplies, right? Anybody say amen? Am I doing okay? And I know God told me not to, but, but, but I, I got to take care of my kids. I, I'm going to take care of my kids. You hear me? Y'all ain't never want to earn more than all your life. But say, I'm a good day. I'm a good day. Oh, Lord, something else has happened. Yep, you guessed it. Yep, you know those tires I got on my car? I had three real good tires. One of them was as bald as Brother Gidrose's head. And I was driving down the road with my sweet little kids because I'm a good day. And all of a sudden, I ran over a little rock. Blap, 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 blap. I had a flat. I hadn't managed well. All I had to work with was a little bit of was tithing. I, and I'm a good daddy. But I'm a good daddy. I'm not going to let my kids ride on unsafe tires. I went down and I bought a new set of tires. I had to buy it on God's tithing, but I bought a new tire. Oh, Lord, something else has happened. You know, when it rains, it pours. If you ever get behind, 
it's almost impossible to ever catch up. Right? Or something else that happened. My little boy played in ball at the park. And he fell over and broke his arm, and the bone came through the flesh. Blood. Oh, it was awful. I took my, my, took my little boy to the hospital in the emergency room. They made me pay for it before I left. But I hadn't paid my last payment. My insurance wouldn't work. I'm a good daddy. I'm not going to let my little boy go back to school for two weeks till I get my next paycheck, screaming, my arm is killing me, my arm is killing me. My daddy's insurance didn't work. I'm not going to let him go to school with that bone sticking out. I'm a good daddy. I use God's tithing. He told me not to. He said it's holy mine. got my boy's arm fixed. That's the best orange I've ever had in my life. Mm. But I didn't I didn't spend it all. I got some peeling. You know, some people think that tithing is a tip. Like tipping a waitress. No, everybody say no. Tithing is a reminder to God of his position in my life. It's not about money. Quit lying about it. Quit trying to say all pastor wants is money. Pastor wants you to have, to give God glory, to give God praise. Put him first. Here, God. Here, Lord, I got you some peeling. But I say, here, Lord. I got a little bit left. And God said, thank you. I got it. I got you peeling. That's the way I treat you, Caleb. Did I give you peeling? Do I give you egg with no yolk? Huh? Do I, I give you bananas that have nothing in them? Rip it up and milk them? Are you giving me peanuts? And I promise you I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. And you give me Peter. I can't, I can't comprehend it. Every breath you breathe comes from me. Every heartbeat. Your brain came from me. You come from high school. I don't like your feelings. 
And I've watched people write up their tithing checks, $32.27. Not $28. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Cut into the state. Well, that's the way you're going to treat me? I'm going to treat you. You be stingy with me? I'll be stingy with you. I expect this right here. That's mine. Somebody says, mine. Don't touch the throne. Don't touch the tree. Don't touch the altar of covenant. Don't touch my anointing. Don't you touch my tithe. I love you. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Okay. We're not serving a stupid God. Not aware of our lives. I'm preaching something to you that Jerry Ann and I talk about nearly every day. Making sure we have returned to God. It's hard to live under God's curses. Has anybody ever felt like you had a curse on your money? Anybody here ever financially struggled? Huh? Some people don't mind going to a David Ramsey course for 12 months. But to stay another 30 minutes and hear this sermon, that's going to bless you the rest of your life. Right? Because when you steal from God, He puts a curse on your money. It's all right. And folks, I'm. I'm not preaching to condemn you. I've done this myself. I've struggled financially when in my rebellious stupidity. If I say it's not fair to suffer, then you don't have to. Because you said above all things, I want you to prosper and be in hell. Now God says, when you return my tithing to me, we have a relationship, I open windows. Y'all ready? Could you sort of sit up and put your hands out like this? Let's do it together. 
I open windows. And I don't keep what you gave me. I'm going to first of all rebuke the devourer. Everybody say in Jesus name. I taught you the other night. Tell the devil to go to hell. Get out of my checkbook. Get out of my finances. Get out of my assets and my investments. Come on. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name. I rebuke your devil. You lying devil. Get out of my finances. Get out of my savings account. Get out of my job. Get him out of my employment. Get out of my savings account. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, rebuke the devourer. Because God can reverse the curses. He said, the ten cities, the first city's mine, Jericho's mine. But Achan stole a gold and silver and a, a, a Babylonian garment. He stole a part of God's tithing. And God said, kill him and his sons and his wife. Then they went on to Ai and took the city. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Come on. See, when I tithe, he opens windows. Come on, somebody. Stay right here. Tithe. You're not fired. Get up here. Now, he said, when you tithe, I open windows. And I pour you out a blessing you can't contain. Everybody say amen. amen. And when you give offerings and sacrifices, then I give unto you. I was preaching this in Dallas, in Denton, Texas, and a woman sat there and she said, My God, I want to give an offering to my church, but I'm broke. And the longer I preached, the more she wanted to give. And she finally she said, Well, I'm going to give a hot check. And it's going to be a big one. I'm going to give a check. It's going to be a big one because my God's been so good to me. And so she wrote out this hot check, and it was a big one. While I was preaching, her phone lit up, and she saw it was her mother. She said, I told my mother, don't you call me when I'm in church. You never have gone to church. You don't go to church. Don't disturb me when I'm in church. So she gave the hot check whenever I got through preaching, and, and, and she went home. And, oh, mother called me. She got on the phone on the way home and said, Mother, I told you, don't call me when I'm in church. I know, honey. So a while ago, I just felt like you needed some money. And she never sends her daughter money. She sent her four times the hot check. Because when you give, it shall be given I was sitting in the doctor's office with Jerry Ann, 50 people in the big big doctor's office downtown Houston in a high rise and this great big fat guy in an electric wheelchair came up and told me sitting on the couch with 50 people watching and listening he's a great big old bellering boy he said ma'am would you scoot over this man right here has got an anointing on his life whoa 
And he said, as he pulled out two $100 bills and gave them to me in front of 50 people that I did not know, I knew the lady next to me, my wife's cousin, but I didn't know anybody else. And he said, would you like for that to multiply? I said, I would. And everybody listened. And everybody watched. He said, then don't keep it. Give it away. So he backed up his wheelchair, big old fat guy, and he got out of there, went in the elevator, and he's gone. Never met him in my life. A few days later, my wife gets a phone call from her cousin that says, Jerry Ann, have you looked in the Houston Chronicle? There is a page from the Secretary of State, unclaimed possessions. Your name is in there, Jerry Ann. Carrie-Ann calls, and sure enough, it's her social security number. And to this day, we have no idea how the money got into the state treasury. Over $10,000. Shortly after the fat man gave me the 200 I took up offering at our district conference and I told that story and I gave the $200 like you said. And a few days later, the phone rings and it's given back, multiplied. Our God is a good God. Miss Sheba hears about the wealth of Solomon and says, boys, get out the carriages, get out the camels, and get out the treasure chest. Load them down with gold and onyx and cinnamon. We're going to see Solomon. They got to Solomon and knocked on his door and said, howdy, rich man. And, and he says, uh, come in. And she passes out with all of his wealth. Wakes up and says, boys, go get all the treasures and bring them in. And then Solomon said, wait a minute, sweetheart. <laughs> Don't do that. Just come back here and see all these big cases of gold. Get everything you want and put it on those camels and take it home with you. Because when you give, it shall be Are y'all ready for the blessing? Are y'all ready for the windows of heaven to open up at 9.35? Everybody say, you preach long enough, Brother Gidrose. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? He said, I'll pour out. I'll open the windows of heaven. Come on. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out a blessing. You won't be able to contain. Come on, somebody. Praise him.
I have preached this sermon to probably 300 churches. Literally millions of dollars has come into the kingdom through God's word. A lady in, lady in San Diego said to me in November, are you the fat preacher that preached on the oranges last month in October? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I've obeyed you for three weeks. As soon as my check comes in, I go to the ATM, I get the money, and I rush to the church. I have been struggling for years with $10 uh, an hour salary. My boy and I are about to starve to death. But tomorrow, I, I start a new job that I did not apply for. $17.50 an hour. Because I put God first. He opened doors. He raised the windows. This is not hocus pocus, delidocus. Don't touch my throne. Don't touch my tree. Don't touch my art. Don't touch my man. Don't touch my church. The Jewish people said, let his blood be on us and our children. And they're suffering at the wailing wall right now from that prayer. You don't touch God's people. You don't crucify Christ. Somebody, somebody say hallelujah. Now tonight I'm, I'm going to ask you to let us ministers anoint your billfold, your purse, your checkbook, and your hands. And David said he anoints my head with oil. God to give me financial astuteness and wisdom. You're going to come by families, but before you do, I'm going to ask every one of you to write the biggest check you ever felt like writing to Jesus Christ in honor of all he's done down through the years. ask you to do it. I'm not ashamed to ask you on behalf of Jesus Christ honor him the supplier of all our needs by his stripes we're healed he's the giver of the Holy Ghost I laid my hand on a lady this morning she was speaking in tongues others laid their hands just speaking in tongues Holy Ghost is moving in this church but we're going to bless the blesser It's no pressure. Just whatever you feel the Holy Ghost wants you to do for your church, for your God. Everybody say hallelujah. Pastor, would you come up and just say whatever you feel. I just left Georgia. An elder preached along the same line and receive a minimum of $60,000. $60,000. And all began with a lady. I was telling the story, I sat with my nephew, who's now raising a church in Georgia. And out of the blue, he said to me, this lady in my church, she was in the world, got in the church very shortly, 
and her prayer every day at church is, Lord, I want to pay $1,000 for tithe. Just let me have the ability to do that. Her children hear it and come and you know, talk about the Lord. And she pray that prayer. And to her amazement, within that month, $10,000 was given to her. And she put in that envelope a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. Then she started praying, Lord, I want to get to pay a thousand dollars a month for tithe. And she got the job, a ten thousand dollar job and more. I'm I'm telling you the truth. I he didn't know what I'm going to preach. He has no idea what I'm going to preach. And he just told me, I said, tell me that story again. So he told me. And I looked at him. I said, I need your permission to tell that story to where I'm going. Now, I don't know how much the pastor needed for this project that he had. I'm sure we had over $100,000 came in. even contractors. And I turned to him and I said, I want to tell you this. God's going to bring in contractors to fulfill that legacy that you're trying to build. You don't have to go to contracting. I didn't know. I went into my office and I had to wait for them to come. The contractor came another night and said, I want to talk to that preacher. Because he was talking about me. He said, I am the contractor. And I want to help to do everything he says at no charge to this church. No charge to this church. Say to God, my wife and I have started something we got from Brother Kilgore. And from uh, I went to uh, Louisiana. And when I saw what God did in Louisiana, I said, God, I never doubt you. I said, I'll never doubt you again. And then I went to Houston, Texas, and see Brother uh, Girls Church. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was shocking. And then I got blown away again. I said, from now on, I will never doubt God. And that's the same thing Elliot's telling right now, what you just preached a while ago. Church, is this confirmation? Is this confirmation? Is this confirmation? Now, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. We owe UPC 10 grand for pledge we made. Tonight we're going to get it. And we owe a struggling church. Is it 5 grand? 10,000. Tonight we're going to do it. And I told, well, all my young Pentecostal future, where are you at? Come on here. Because I'm going to stand by you if I have to. If you don't want to help me, that's fine. I tell them, we cannot give any less to Jesus Christ than the last time we gave. I say, it's not going to happen. And that's another 10 grand. Amen? We're going to do it tonight. Amen? Now, I'm going to step out and give 10 grand. Uh, an old man 
preaching tonight. I'm going to give it first and foremost to Caesar Christ. You hear that? Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> Ten grand for Caesar Christ. Hello. Now, the other 20 come from you guys to cover the other pledges. Because we owe 20 grand pledges. We paid 10 already. And before the year is over, let's pay the rest. We could have asked it for ourselves, but there's no blessing in that. we got to give because, you know what I'm doing this? I'm going to prophesy to you. I'm going to own next door. And I, I'm, I'm sowing the seed to reap next door. And I'm going to promise you it's going to be at a reduced price to do what I want. Because I want these kids to go over there and sit on the grass and enjoy it. Now, those fence were built to keep us, keep us out. Well, it's going to be taken down. Praise God. So I want some more people with the 10 grand, 5 grand, come stand with me because tonight my wife can write a check from us for 10 grand. You got to write this, Sister Neil? Sorry? You were in for 5 grand already? Okay, so, so I can put 5 to that. So 5 plus 5 is 10. Okay? So she got 5 she wrote on already. I'm going to write 5 to, to that, make it 10. Right for 10 tonight. Bishop, this is awesome. The Lord gave me a book to write. It says, give your way to prosperity. He says, give it up because you don't own anything. Elder, you're prophesying to us. You just prophesy to us. Now they know it. They know it. They I say you guys know it. Did he prophesy to us? Yeah. I can show the board, Bishop, you prophesy to us. And this is the best preaching I've ever heard on this topic. I don't have a dime. They, they bothered my wife and I to invest. I said, we're not interested in your interest Dow Jones payment. We're not interested in it. We are going to invest in the cause of God. That's all we're going to do. That's the Kilgore way of doing things. We miss Brother Kilgore a lot. Brother Kilgore, we miss him. That voice is so missing in UPC. His, his philosophy was, if I'm a gene and I have it, and Jesus needs it, Jesus gets it. And folks, he left a legacy behind. Everybody knows him. All right? So, Caesar Christ. Is there a youth leader here for Caesar Christ? My God, where are those quizzers? My God. Are you guys bankrupt or something? You should be shouting. We cannot give less than last year's best. We cannot do it, and I will not let it happen. Praise the Lord. So Sister Neil and I, five and five, he's going to give ten. Hey, to Caesar Christ? It's going to be Caesar Christ. Who do we write a check to? So, who write a check to? You tell me what you do. Write it. It's a special offering. Put it on here, talk to the praise, and we'll give, we'll give you the tax receipt for it, right? Talk to the praise. Amen? And Sister Cheryl and Sister Dean are going to work on this. All right? Now, 
None of this dime, not a dime going to spend on this church. Not even a penny. I don't want to see any of it stay behind here. You know why? Because, like you said, give it away and it shall return. Now, you can hang it up if you want to, but when we bury your six foot on the ground, we're going to give it to somebody else. It won't be yours. Did, 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 did we make it? Did we got there? We know Sister Cross got ten grand. Come on, Sister Kim, help us count. We need some counters here. Bishop, thank you for preaching this. They come back here because we want to mess it, uh, a serious call. Listen to the elders. We need to hear from you more. Hey, was this all right? Was this all right? First of all, I don't want you to give it to us right now because I don't want you to give it to us and say, well, this church took my money. We don't take a dime from you. You're going to cease for Christ. And we promised our brother in North Carolina we're going to help him purchase a property for a church because we already own ours, and he's still waiting for it, and it's going to happen. Well, tonight is going to happen. Tonight, we told Brother Blaine going to hear the check is on the way. Come on, somebody. Seeds for Christ. We're going to help them on the way. Come on. Amen. Now, if I have to sell my, my RV, I'll sell it. Amen. Does anybody want to buy it? I'll just sell it to you right now. If you want to buy my RV, amen. Hallelujah. I'll sell it to you if I have to. We're going to make it happen tonight. This is all right, Mr. Good. I want to know how much. Don't, don't go too far. I want to write on this building how much it is. We're, we're going to do it. Come on, folks. Let's stand up. Amen. We're, we're going to sing the song with the organ player. If you have to sell your shoes, go sell your shoes. Sell your dentures if you have to. Now, you new convert, you don't have to listen to this right tonight. Okay? We we'll welcome you. Mr. Hercules, God bless you. God bless you. We're glad to have you. Amen, amen. Give what you have. And the Lord will give.